And I think at this point, um, it's time to invite Lara up to speak. <laughs> I'm just giggling because I said to Lara, I'll be really relieved. <laughs> it's like, yes, over to you, Lara. It's <laughs> up here. But yeah, I was going to pray for you, Lara. God, I thank you so much um, for the work that has gone into preparing this talk. And I thank you that you've actually got some really encouraging and inspiring words from your Bible for us this morning from the Psalms. I just pray that you'd be speaking through Lara now as she speaks. Soften our hearts to hear from you, Lord. Amen. Good morning. Wow, a bit quieter this morning. It's very lovely. Lovely sunny morning. Um, just a brief reminder for everyone that we've been doing this very little mini-series that we're called Songs for the Journey, where we've looked at three of the 15 Psalms of Ascent, or pilgrim songs, they're sometimes called. And uh, it's just a collection of um, psalms that were you know, originally put to music and were memorized um, by uh, the Jewish people as they traveled long distances up to Jerusalem um, for sort of three festivals, including actually Pentecost, which we've just heard about today. And Jesus would have been one of those people traveling that road and singing these songs um, to God as they made their way to Jerusalem. Now, these um, pilgrims, they traveled in large family groups, families and friends, and they would have journey would have taken you know, several days. And it would have been this time, a really wonderful time for catching up, for sharing, for singing, for having fun, a little bit like we've just done this morning, sharing stories. And it's a real reminder to all of us here that, you know, God never intended for any of us to walk the journey with him on our own. It was never meant to be a solitary experience, but in fact, one that's shared in community, encouraging one another, building each other up in our faith. You know, the pilgrims, they would have been at all stages and ages. It was a wonderful kind of vibrant variety of a mix of generations. And it paints this really lovely, vibrant picture of what our church should look like today. You know, all of us joining together, no matter where we're at on the journey, no matter our age, encouraging each other edifying each other, telling each other these stories of what God's done and is doing in our lives. It's about supporting each other, coming alongside each other, dis discipling and equipping one another in our ultimate goal to worship and glorify God. And so this morning, we're going to take a closer look at one of these Psalms of Ascent. We're going to look at Psalm 128. Now, I'd love to say that I have you know, memorized this psalm and could sing it and say it off to you, but I haven't. And instead, I'm going to ask David is going to come and read us this psalm this morning. So thanks, David. You want to come up? Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Brilliant. Thanks, David. 
so the dominant theme of this psalm really jumps out at us straight away. It's a celebration of God's blessing on a person, on his family, and on a nation. And it's reminding us that the greatest joys in life come from knowing God and living under his blessing. Now, this psalm is actually what we would call a wisdom psalm. And before we dive into it, it's probably just important just to understand a little bit about wisdom literature. Now, the psalm is giving us very general principles that we should heed. The psalmist is presenting examples of God's blessing rather than making absolute promises. So I just wanted just to make sure that's kind of clear before we go into this, but... In these six verses, short verses, six of them, the psalm mentions blessing four times. It's singing of a life and family and work that are blessed when you live your life for God. Now, I think we can probably all agree that we would like to know God's blessing in our lives, in our relationships. We'd love to know God's, um, that God can bless others through us. He can bless this church, bless this community, bless Bristol. And we would love to see future generations impacted through God's work in us today. And this psalm describes just such a life, one filled with God's blessing. The psalmist uses this picture kind of of an ideal family to teach us about that blessing. It shows us the way life can be. But we know that life is not always ideal. We don't live in an ideal world. But the psalm's not meant to kind of discourage us by citing what seem to be almost impossible role models, but rather its aim is to inspire us to greater possibilities, what could be. So we're told in verse 1 that God's bountiful blessing is available for everyone who fears the Lord. Blessed are all who fear the Lord and walk in obedience to him. Now, I've put up there um, a, a, a translation that I quite like from the New Living Translation, which just says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. So we are blessed or joyful when we fear the Lord. Now, the word fear in this context means having a healthy respect or reverence for God. It's all about the attitude of our hearts. It's about being in awe of God. It's about expressing our loyalty to him, about honoring him in all that we do. It's about trusting him and humbly depending upon him. It's about having a really deep appreciation for the sacrifice that his son made on the cross. You know, the fear of the Lord is about being bowled over in amazement and wonder at just who God is. At his majesty, at his righteousness, at his power, and at his absolute holiness. And the psalmist goes on to say, the fear of the Lord results in obedience to him. 
The man who fears God walks in his ways. The attitude of our heart, if you like, becomes, is translated into action in our lives. It's when we revere God, when we recognize his sovereignty, that the desire to obey him, to serve him, to follow him, grows in our hearts. And when we align our lives with his ways, we position ourselves to receive his abundant blessing. You know, conversely, if we lose sight of the wonder and awesomeness of God, we can so easily become a bit bored and distracted and a little bit rebellious. You know, when we don't value Jesus' death on the cross in the way that we ought, it can really lead to us being a bit dismissive of our sin, being a bit apathetic, being a little bit disobedient. You know, I find that very much for myself. If I go periods of time where I'm not reading my Bible or spending quiet time with Jesus, when I'm not learning more about who God is and about his ways as laid out in the Bible, I find that I can become a little bit blasé, a little bit apathetic, and it's harder to do God's will. But he's always so gracious and gently brings me back on track. So if you remember nothing else from this morning, remember this truth. You are blessed if you fear the Lord and walk in his ways. So the psalmist has laid the foundation of how to build a life that's blessed by God. And he then goes on to share some specific examples of the way God might bless us. So I've called them this, the blessing of work, the blessing of relationships, and the blessing of legacy. So the blessing of work. Verse 2 gives us a really positive outlook on work. It says this, you will eat the fruit of your labor, blessing and prosperity will be yours. Now this doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be wealthy and rich, but rather that you will find fulfillment in your work and that your work will provide for all your needs. Your work can often feel a little bit laborious rather than blessed. I'm sure there's some of us here today feeling a little bit work-weary, a little bit disappointed or frustrated in our jobs. We just need to look at the world around us. We can see that people are never really at ease in their work. They're always striving for a little bit more, working hard, but always seemingly in vain, never fully at peace in their jobs. But the picture the psalmist paints here couldn't be more different. He shows another side to work. When we walk in God's ways, our toil and labor become meaningful. Our work takes on a new purpose, and the fruits of our labor and our efforts become a source of our sustenance and joy. Our pilgrim in this psalm, he's contented and satisfied. He's at rest in his toil. He's at peace in his trials. This is a person who certainly works hard, but he has a really positive attitude towards work. He shows his children the positive value of work, and he motivates them to use their life productively. 
know, if we were to ask him, he would describe himself as well. It is well with the man who fears the Lord. He's at peace within himself. This man's happiness doesn't come from his circumstances. His joy is in the Lord, in God's provision and in God's peace. The fear of the Lord flows out of the heart of this man. That leads to his obedience. And that leads to the profound blessings of God within him. But it doesn't stop there. You know, none of us here is an island. We are all connected to people. God's blessing doesn't stop with us as individuals. Every person is connected to someone, and that's what builds families and builds communities. You know, when we used to holiday in the Lake District when the kids were little, uh, we would always look to Dad to pick the best and the most suitable routes to guide us and take us up those hills. And the man in the psalm is a little like that. He's choosing the best path, God's path, and he's showing his wife, his children, and those around him how to walk that path. And that brings us on to the um, second thing I want to talk about, the blessing of relationships. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive shoots around your table. This is the blessing of the man who fears the Lord. You know, the imagery here is of a picture of the Hebrew culture where the sign of happiness was a wife who had loads of kids who then grew up and gathered around the table all together. Now, I know that we all live now in the 21st century. We don't all, um, we're not all married, but it will have 13 kids. Um, but the meaning is still very much the same. Eugene Peterson puts it quite nicely. He puts it like this. Blessing has inherent in it the power to increase. You know, the people right next to us are blessed when we fear and obey the Lord. The fear of the Lord helps us see people as God sees them. We begin to appreciate them as people made in God's image. We see the cross and realize just how much God values people. And kindness, gentleness, honor, and love begin to flow out of us. You know, relationships with those around us are blessed because of our own fear of the Lord. And this man in our psalm, he models this exemplary walk with God. And this leads to blessings of those coming up behind him, blessings of his children, these olive shoots in his lives. Do you know, it's the same for us. When we model a life lived for God, we can all have a profound impact on the next generation. And whether you have children of your own or not, each of us here has a role to play in modeling godly lives to the children in our lives. When we fear the Lord, we become humble, loving, and authentic. And humility, love, and authenticity are key ingredients for reaching the next generation. You know, without these, there's a real tendency to become proud, which is unattractive and unhelpful to anyone, least of all those standing in the wings observing us. You know, with pride, we become condescending and impatient to other people. But rather, just as Jesus did, we need to humbly and patiently serve others, including those younger than us. 
You know, Jesus endures our mistakes and shortcomings. And so as we walk in his ways, we too are to patiently endure and forgive the mistakes and shortcomings of those around us. You know, understanding and grace flow from a loving heart. And both of these are necessary for reaching those younger than us. Christ shows his love for us by being interested in us. And when we fear the Lord, we too can love in this way, taking an interest in the spiritual development and growth of the children we influence. You know, another key characteristic of someone who fears the Lord is faith. And without faith, we never take, we'll never take any risks on those who are less experienced or less mature than us. But you know, the church can't grow unless we're willing to take a risk. And actually, we're pretty good at that at Highgrove. You know, we make space for our teenagers, for our kids, to start to take their place in serving Jesus and serving the church. And this is the beginning of fruitfulness in these olive plants that God has entrusted into our care. If we give them that proper nurture, that proper care and patience in a climate of love and grace. So the psalmist describes the wife as a fruitful vine and the children as olive shoots or branches. Now we read in the New Testament that Jesus says he is the true vine and that we, his disciples, are the branches and that we're to remain in him. You know, when we fear the Lord and are obedient to his commands, when we remain in Jesus, we'll bear much fruit. We'll see the fruit of the Spirit growing within us, and we'll also see God's kingdom growing as we model to those around us Jesus' gospel of love and salvation. You know, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, equipping us and empowering us to go out and tell people about Jesus. Acts says this, says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. You know, just like the wife in our psalm and the early church in Acts, we're called to be fruitful and to multiply, to go and make disciples of all nations. And that brings us lastly onto the blessing of legacy. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. You know, when we lead godly lives, when our families flourish, our communities also prosper. When we reverence God above all else, and our, our communities are blessed. But as we fear God individually, in our families, our influence radiates out beyond our own doors. We become those beacons of hope, peace, and prosperity in our communities. In our psalm, the pilgrim's devotion to the Lord and his reverence for him led to this generational fruit. His blessings went beyond his own heart, his own relationships, his own community, beyond him into his grandchildren. 
And you know, we have the opportunity to live and leave an impact that's lasting and far-reaching in the same way. When we fear the Lord, it stops us from wasting our lives. When we realize the price that Jesus paid to save us, when we fully appreciate that his love is endless and limitless, then we're desperate to show him to those around us. You know, God's blessing doesn't stop with us as individuals. He wants us to be a blessing that is far beyond just us. So this psalm is not promising a life of nonstop blessing. You know, we know that life is not without its heartaches. It's not without its difficulties. God can and he does bless us. But that doesn't mean life is going to be easy. But you know, when God is involved and present in our lives, that is a blessing in and of itself. But the greatest blessing that God has bestowed upon us is his son. You know, Jesus, out of his unconditional love for us, died on a cross, rose again, conquering death, so that we could have life to the full here on earth and life with him in heaven. That is our ultimate blessing. And if Jesus gave his life for us, then this psalm asks this question of us. Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Do I live all aspects of my life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and for the honor and glory of God? Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love us unconditionally, unendingly, and limitless love. Thank you that you love to pour out your blessings upon us into our lives, in all areas of our lives. And Lord, we thank you for the greatest blessing of all, for Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Lord, we say we want to be people who fear you and follow you and bring the blessings of your kingdom to those around us. Amen.